Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are back to continue our discussion from last week, putting a bow on the 2021 Titans season and looking ahead to the offseason. We're not going to quite get into offseason stuff yet, you know, needs and, and holes on the roster and that sort of thing. Uh, we will be kicking off our offseason discussion in two weeks because we're going to take next week off, give ourselves a little bit of a breather following the end of, of what is always a long and, and a grind of a season. And then we'll be back on Wednesday, February the uh, the 16th with our launch into the offseason. But we're still in the process, I guess, of eulogizing the 2021 season for the Titans. And and guys, as we continue to do that, and as Titans fans continue to put a bow on this season and come to terms with what happened two Saturdays ago, the discourse, if you will, the, the conversations that are taking place on social media uh, have just been unbearable to read. It's rough out there. Um, I would implore most of our listeners um, and, and all of us to to ignore most of it because I think people are, are very hurt by what happened, and that's perfectly fine. So are we. Um, we wanted the season to go a lot better than it did. Well, the regular season went well, but obviously, uh, we had aspirations of a Super Bowl, and it seemed like the Times could get there. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't happen because of a specific set of circumstances. Uh, the offense just really crapped the bed. Um, but we don't have to just, you know, trade everyone because of one performance in which the team that's going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl beat you by a last-second field goal and in a game where you turn the ball over three times. Like, this is football. These things happen. And I don't think – I think a lot of us have to just calm down, really look at the bigger picture, um, and possibly just stay off Twitter for a little while because some of these takes are are, are getting out of hand. Yeah, like, it's – it's understandable. Like it's one of those things where you're almost a victim of like by circumstance. So like Tannehill has like such a bad game in the playoffs and like he and Downing are the reason why they lose. And then everybody's like, Hey, 
that guy was here last year and the year before. Remember when we lost games then? It's probably the same thing. And then, you know, people start going crazy and cherry picking stats and just losing their mind. So, yeah, like it's it's understandable why people get upset and who they get upset at. Like, you know, it, it was, you know, it's it's the same thing all the time. Like people are mad until their favorite team does something good. And then they're like, oh, you know, we had your back the whole time. We knew you were going to be good. Like it's like, or if that doesn't happen, then they get to say like, look, I'm smarter than everybody else. I told y'all this was going to happen. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like people are going to be upset and say what they're going to say. It's just, you know, don't be surprised if I especially come out of nowhere and just tweet a stat at you that makes you look stupid or feel stupid or like you don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, that, that that's the rules. That's what it's like on the Twitter streets. I want to talk about turnovers for a second. I, I didn't even have this written down as, as stuff I wanted to get to. But, Matthias, you brought it up and I, I just I can't help myself. You know, I. I've never played organized football. I, 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 if you call like the organized stuff we had in recess in middle school, where we had a you know teams that would go throughout the year and you played with the same team all year, maybe that counts as organized. I don't think so, but that's my experience playing football. But this turnover stuff for the Titans makes no sense to me. It's obviously why they lost to the Bengals. It's not that hard. One less turnover of their three, and, and they might still be playing, you know, in the Super Bowl. Who knows? But this wasn't just a divisional round of the playoffs problem. This was an all-season problem starting in week three. The Titans in six out of their 18 games, one-third. And I, I think I brought this stat up last week, but I, I messed it up just a little bit, so I'm going to correct it. Six out of their 18 games, one-third of their games, they had at least three turnovers. Four games with at least four turnovers. But that's beside the point. Their record in those six games was one and five, meaning that with one exception, if the Titans didn't turn the ball over three times, they won. Now, that's a pretty good stat because turning the ball over three times, especially when you're good and well coached like the Titans are, like I would say they are, is not something that should happen all the time. But it did. And look, you know, we can blame Todd Downing for stuff, and, and we have and we will, but Todd Downing's not staring down receivers. Todd Downing's not coughing up the ball at the end of long runs. Todd Downing's not letting passes bounce off your hands up in the air. Like, what in the world is going on? And how do you fix that? That pervasive of a problem. Well, it's not totally Todd Downing's fault, but he can make things easier um, for his offense, for his quarterback. Um, but I agree, like a lot of, of Tannehill's interceptions this season were kind of uh, baffling and they didn't look like his usual self. Um, and then you have all of the fumbles that, I mean, a lot of them came from Foreman and, and Hilliard who did a great job filling in, but at the same time, like, they're they're backups, you know. They're second and third string players. Hilliard was like barely on a, on, a, on a roster most of the season. Um, like the, the these are things that 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 happen when your talent really isn't up to par. But also, like football's a random sport. Sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce your way, and sometimes you're unlucky. And we've seen this throughout the playoffs. Like the Bengals have been one of the luckier teams in 
in in the entire playoffs, and it's a big reason why they're in the Super Bowl. Not to discredit them in any way, uh, but they keep getting interceptions off like deflected passes in the final minutes of these games, and it's a huge reason why 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 they're in the Super Bowl. So, I feel like the Titans have been rather unlucky this season. I do think they've been careless careless with the football, but those two things kind of you know they go hand in hand. Like they they are both contributing. Um, to a lot of this stuff, but if the offense was just more efficient in general, I think we get we would see um, some of these things go away, and they probably wouldn't turn the ball over as much. Plus, having Derrick Henry uh, healthy for a full season would also um, help with some of those fumbling problems that we've had from the running backs. Yeah, so I, I guess we have to start here. And that's, do we think that the offense is more or less talented in 2021 than they were in 2020? Talented? Like, just yes, in terms like, of the personnel? Yeah, like, I, I mean, I guess it's hard to say with so many injuries, but like... I, I think it's going to be more. Just at peak. I think it's going to be more. Okay, so, so if, like, Matias... Well, let, let me justify that just quickly. I think they're going to add a receiver, and I think that the right tackle is no, going to no, be no. different. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I uh, From 2020 to 2021. Oh, Arthur, so this isn't Arthur a future thing. Was no, the offense... This, this is a past. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was it more talented this year than the year before? <sighs> yeah. I can't say... At, at its the, best, I think injuries. it was. I, I think... I think you're looking at, like, okay, is Taylor Lewan... Julio Jones is better than Corey Davis. Um, Chester Rogers and Adam Humphreys kind of cancel each other out. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, tight end is worse. Like, running back is probably better. It's very close. I don't think it's overwhelming one way or the other. Yeah, so let's just say it's the same, then, for, for argument's sake. Last year, the Titans turned the ball over three or more times once all year, and it was three times against the Cleveland Browns at home. When I think Derrick Henry had two fumbles, it was like like the like the first time he'd had a game like that in his career. Maybe it was just one, and then there was the other time when uh, AJ Brown fumbled and went right to uh, Michael Pruitt or whatever. Like it was a, it was that really weird game where like there were just so many turnovers and so many weird fumbles and all that. But I mean. <laughs> That's that. My whole point is, it's not like this offense is less talented on paper than it was last year. So, if you've got the same level of talent, the same quarterback, you know, the same core pieces, and the only thing that changes is the offensive coordinator. I mean, it's not a stretch to say that the offensive coordinator just did a bad job making everybody feel comfortable, or he did a bad job explaining what he wanted. I mean, like. We, we've we've talked about it before, like, the second interception that Tannehill threw was because it was, like, that the only RPO they had, and it's the same look they used earlier, and the defense knew what was coming, and, like, we, we know that, and that's why it got picked, is because the defense just knew what was going to happen, and then, you know... Throughout the season, there, somebody uh, described it as a series of disjointed plays with no flow or connection to the play before or the play after, which is a really good way of explaining this offense. So, you know, and there's there's plenty of times you can look back where there's just one guy who's designed to get the ball, and, and that's a bad way to call an offense because it's not it's not usually AJ Brown or Julio Jones. It's usually like 
Nick Westbrook Aquina or one of the running backs out of the backfield, like designed to do some sort of middle screen or something like it's just, it's just a bad offense. Like it's just reeks of a guy who doesn't know what he's doing and who's just managed to keep a job due to friendships. So the whole point in all this is I think it's a pretty easy thing to say, okay, the talent's the same. The quarterback's the same, you know, Maybe they're even more talented on the offensive line than they were last year, even if they're a little worse at tight end. But everybody has a drop-off in performance, and you get these like turnovers at an, a much more rapid rate than you had before. Like, it, It's not hard to see that the one thing that changed is probably the problem. I, I do think... Hmm. He's right. (laughs) He's right. (laughs) It's tough to argue against it because everything was pretty much the same. Like there, there really wasn't all that much to change. The logic is there. I agree. It's a sound argument. But do you really think that Todd Downing is making Deontay Foreman and Doncho Hilliard fumble like forty times? No, but I don't think they fumbled forty times. Like I I mean, like I think they both had a fumble in. the Patriots game. And I think like one of them may have fumbled at a different time, but like, I mean, even if they did, like we've had this conversation before, but point to one player on the Titans offense who looks better this year than they did last year. I mean, uh, like Deontay Foreman. Yeah. Because he didn't play like, (laughs) like you have to go to somebody who didn't have a job last year. Like that's, that's what it is. Like the offensive line looks worse. Like the, you know, even Taylor Lewan, who only played four games last year, looked better in his four games last year than he did at any point this year. Like, I mean, everybody, like, AJ was great. He, like, but he had what, like, 200 yard performances, something like that, like maybe three all season. Like, even, you know, even accounting for all the games when he was injured and stuff, he still had more last year. Like, it just, everybody looked worse. And the reason why, you know, I know it's hard, I know it's, one of those things where it feels like a mental disconnect to say like this guy's not actually doing anything, but at the same time, think about Kevin Byard. Like last year, the the, the big buzzword in this year or for between this year and last year is there's better communication, there's better understanding. Okay, regardless of the fact there's more talented on the defensive side now than there was last year, like the defense clearly is communicating better. Like they, they look more comfortable in what they're doing. Like nobody looks to be doing anything like just boneheaded. So by the same token, like the offense just never seemed comfortable. Like it seemed like they were taking more time on the play clock to get the plays in. Like it just, it it just never looked cohesive. And like I said, I mean, we've seen this offense look good. Like that's that the whole thing is if this happened in, 2019 instead of 2021 and we never got to see what Tannehill and this offense could look like if they had a good offensive coordinator everybody would be quick to throw it on Tannehill Tannehill would be gone and they'd be looking at a quarterback in the draft the problem is we know that that's not the case I mean we know that a smart offensive coordinator can make an offense look good and the turnovers just magically disappear and the reason they magically disappear is because everybody's comfortable and on the same page and they're doing what they're best at. Like, you know, if you take Tannehill and you say, look, we don't want you to run out of the pocket. We want you to stay still. That's not what he's best at. He's going to force more, force more bad passes. You know, it'll lead him into more trouble with pocket pressure. Like 
then extend that to the other 10 players on the roster. Like, yeah, you're going to get people that make mistakes. And when 11 guys are just rotating, who's going to make that mistake that week because they're not comfortable, you end up with a season like this. It tracks. I, I, I think it does. Let, let's move on. And let's talk about quarterbacks. It's time to trash Tannehill. I'm kidding. Because um, <laughs> there's a lot of quarterback stuff happening. There's been multiple retirements. Uh, there are lots of quarterback situations emerging uh, in the postseason since the Titans have been eliminated. Lots going on in the quarterback world. Let's start with the retirements. Ben Roethlisberger stepping away. That one was not a surprise. Tom Brady confirming on Monday, or excuse me, on Tuesday, that he's stepping away, that he will be retiring. That one was, was it wasn't surprising because of what he said on the podcast or his podcast a couple weeks ago about you know wanting to be the, the husband and the father that he's always wanted or whatever it was that he said. Uh but I, I, it's, it stings. Like, I hate that we won't get to watch Tom Brady anymore. You're alone in that. Um, I am yep. very glad he is gone. Really? Uh, yeah. I was so sick of seeing him in the Super Bowl every year. It was enough already. Um, I respect him. He is probably the, the greatest quarterback of all time. I, I don't even know if there's really uh, much of an argument there, but... It was time, man. Just let other people have a chance at winning Super Bowls. Um, even though, like this year, he he wasn't he didn't win one anyway. But it was enough already, you know. You know, he's beaten every team in the league. Like he's beaten everybody's favorite team, and he's probably done it in embarrassing fashion. So, like whether it's you know beating the Colts with Peyton Manning and just over and over, like. You know, that was fun for me. That's why I remember those. Beating the Titans 59 to nothing. Yeah. Like, I mean, like in in the Jeff Fisher years, like not even in the dark times. Like, uh, I mean, like he's it, it turns out if you're the best quarterback to ever play for a really long time, every team should hate you a little bit. And so this bending over backwards of, oh, he's the greatest. I'm so sad to see him go. It's like, who cares? Like, shut up. Like, just be happy he's done beating your favorite team and just thank him for for not doing it for two more years when it looked like he was fully capable of doing that. Yeah. Like it's it's one less obstacle for yeah. the Titans. Like yeah, I wish I wish every quarterback who was starting for a team other than Ryan Tannehill would retire tomorrow. Like if you're a Titans fan, you wish that's every- the only way Ryan Tannehill is gonna ever make it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> there he is. He got him. There's, there's Luke. <laughs> No, I love watching Tom Brady play, and I'm, I'm disappointed that we don't get to do that anymore. You know, I, I don't watch live a whole lot of non-Titans football, like, just because I don't have I, I don't have time. You know, I'm, I'm watching the Titans games on Sundays and then writing, uh, and then, like, on the bye week, I just kind of want to take a break. But, but Tom Brady games were the ones that I would actually sit down and turn on. Does that make me weird that I loved watching him play and that, like, that I don't want to watch the Kyle Trask-led Bucks? No. No, it doesn't make you weird. Everyone's different. Everyone has differing opinions. Um, I just, I kind of hated him. He was just, he was too good, and he would always make it to the Super Bowl. 
and it got annoying yeah. after a while. Like I, I did not feel the same way uh, about Peyton Manning. Like I hated Peyton Manning when he was a Colt because he would beat the Titans every single time, and it was so frustrating. But after he left Indianapolis, went to Denver, I was like, I could root for him because I respected yeah. his craft completely. But there was something about Brady that I just I could not get over, even when he went to Tampa Bay. I don't know. I don't know why, honestly. Yeah. Well, oh, I like. I'm not. I'm not calling you weird for wanting to watch Tom Brady. Like I like. I, I understand wanting to watch greatness, but we have also seen it for what, like, 25 years or whatever. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not like you got. You know, it's not like Andrew Luck when he had to quit because the Colts were so terrible at like figuring out their own field that they let his ankle break over and over. Like we we got our fill of Tom Brady. Like. He he's what was the stat like he's won a third of the like or sorry not a third like he's been to a fourth of uh, all the Super Bowls in NFL history yeah like I guess I mean like he's done his thing like that's cool you also don't want to see him completely fall off a cliff and have that Peyton Manning year where it's like his arms really like don't do the same thing anymore and he just collapse or maybe you do but like <laughs> I would rather like I, I mean ma- like maybe you do because like I, I can certainly understand that and want to see it like it was fun watching Philip Rivers like collapse into himself a little bit and like I, I do get that but you know like I, I think that Tom Brady's the you know the greatest quarterback of all time, the greatest football player of all time. Like, th- there's no debate in that. Like, he's done everything there is to do. But I mean, like Matias said, like you know, okay, step aside, let somebody else have their turn. Just because, I mean, he came in the league before like Eli and uh, Roethlisberger and Rivers and that holds it. Like, he's been here for two generations of quarterback. Like, you know. He is he has overstayed his welcome, and now everybody is going to have to actually think critically about football instead of just saying like, "Well, he's not Tom Brady," or "Well, that team has Tom Brady." It's like, no, now like now the things you said for the last eight years, you can't just rest on them and pick the same you know four quarterbacks to go to the Super Bowl. Like you're going to have to actually think and use your brain and watch film and then make your decision. Like I, I'm I'm here for a new, more educated football arena yeah there's a little more parody now in the nfl which is insane to say because he's 45 years old but that's what it that's what it is parody was not created with ben roethlisberger's retirement um uh, because it was painful to watch them this year ben roethlisberger in his heyday great quarterback underrated in his heyday, but hmm. <laughs> last two years rough. Yeah, I mean this should have happened several years ago. Yeah, this is like it, put, it, it's like putting the dog out of its misery. Yeah, that's exactly. I was I was trying to come up with with that analogy also, but come on, man! Like it was it was embarrassing that they kept trotting <laughs> him out there. And he, <laughs> Some of his passing charts were just incredible because he would not throw past the line of scrimmage. And it was hilarious, honestly, because I've never personally liked him all that much. He's also not the best uh, role model uh, for yeah, the kids. He's a bad human. He, yeah, he, yeah, he sucks. I, he sucks. I, yeah. I had, I, one, of my, one of my best friends is telling me that he was at a dinner with his grandfather and, and some of his grandfather's older friends. 
and they were talking about uh, you know football, and you know they didn't really know much, as you'll see. And uh, and one of them brought up, you know, well, you know, Ben Roethlisberger had that big last game in Pittsburgh. He's probably going to retire. And apparently, one of the other old guys was like, "Man, that guy is a class act." I mean, I think everybody in the north, like not not that your family's from the north or anything, but like I do think that's something that like people up north have just like chosen to forget. Like they're just like, well, okay, sure, like you know he's got a pretty a pretty uh, bad past, but he's been a quarterback for a long time and he's never even been to jail. And it's like that should not be your bar. Like getting like having a good lawyer just should not like. Uh, I, I, There's I, some this, wiggle room between. Jail and Marcus Mariota. Yeah, you don't have to call people a class act. Like it's like it's like if you're gonna like, I mean, I'm just assuming they didn't know. Yeah, they they, like, they had no idea what they were talking yeah, like, about. And how would you like? That's the thing is like when when you know somebody doesn't get convicted or whatever, like that nobody talks about it again. Like it, you know, it's one of those things where they're like, "Whoo, I'm glad that's under the rug." Okay, media, never talk about that again, and they don't like. So you wouldn't know it because everybody, when it was his farewell tour or whatever, everybody's like, maybe they can win one more for their leader, Ben Roethlisberger. It's like, man, that guy's the worst. <laughs> there was also no chance of them doing anything in the postseason. Yeah, because he sucked. Hmm. Rough, 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 rough. Let's talk about quarterbacks who aren't retiring. Because the AFC right now, loaded. At quarterback in a way that the NFC isn't. You got Joe Burrow. You got Justin Herbert. If if the Chargers can ever figure out how to win more consistently, which is wild. Like they're losing games, but it's not the quarterback's fault. It's reminiscent of Drew Brees with the Saints when they had those historically bad defenses. Anyway, you got those two Burrow and Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Like there are going to be some years within the next decade where those are your four quarterbacks playing divisional weekend. Two of them are from the same division in Mahomes and Herbert. I mean, the AFC is going to be dominated by those four guys, I would think. Herbert might, there's some stuff needs to happen there for a while. Now, Titans are lucky. There's not one in their division. In fact, all the quarterbacks in their division kind of suck. But it's going to be tough sledding, no matter who the Titans get at quarterback, whether it's Tannehill, whether it's someone else. It's going to be tough for a while. I mean, yes, um, there is a lot of talent at quarterback in the AFC, but there was a lot of talent in the AFC at quarterback uh, this year. And the Titans finished with the number one seed. So, I mean, I think the Titans are, are still set up well for the future. Um, they have a great head coach. They have a great GM. They have a supremely talented roster. They'll be fine. Like, I, I think people are freaking out a little bit too much about this. Um, and you mentioned, like, the Chargers. They're still the Chargers. Like, I understand they have Herbert, but they can't, still cannot seem to get it all together. Their head coach is a little bit of an enigma. Um, and then, I, I mean, yeah, Josh Allen is awesome. I, I think the Bills are, are set up for uh, at least the next couple of seasons. The Chiefs are also because Mahomes is great. But 
they keep they keep blowing it, man. Like they should have probably won the last three Super Bowls, and, and this year they don't even make it to the Super Bowl against a Bengals team that we wouldn't say are, are world beaters. Um, and Mahomes looked absolutely terrible in the second half of that game, and the Titans also made Mahomes look terrible earlier this regular season. Um, and they beat him the regular season before. So I don't know, man. I, I think people are, are making too big of a deal out of this, um, be, be, especially after Tannehill's performance. But there are ways to beat these quarterbacks, and the Titans have shown to be able to do that uh, over the last couple of seasons. So it's not something to be overly concerned about, in my opinion. Yeah, like, you know... <laughs> It's definitely like a have and have not, and it always is a quarterback. But it's like you've also got Tua in Miami, Zach Wilson in for the Jets. You've got Baker Mayfield with the Browns for now. You've got Lamar Jackson, who's looked pretty terrible on average the last like year and a half, and he's hurt, and he just doesn't look like he's going to be the guy that everybody thought he was going to be. You've got Mason Rudolph, Carson Wentz, Trevor Lawrence, like, I mean, there's some, and that's assuming that Denver gets Aaron Rodgers. Like, if Denver doesn't get Aaron Rodgers, I mean, they are going to be, I mean, just bad. So, yeah, like, I I mean, we'll see what Dabble looks like uh, in New York and what, you know, whether he was the mastermind behind that offense. Because somebody pointed out today that he also... Um, had Colt McCoy and Peyton Hillis in Cleveland and made those two look competent for the year where he was their offensive coordinator. And then he moved on and, you know, the rest is history, but like, we'll see what Josh Allen looks like without the, without him in charge. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's hard to tell because we would have said that Justin Herbert was for sure going to go to the playoffs and that he was going to light everything up. We would have said the same thing about Russell Wilson. Like, you know, on paper, these guys can look great, but, you know, they have a couple of bad games. They get banged up. You know, they, they don't play well or whatever. Like, things can go south pretty quick. But, you know, like you say, like, there's a good chance that, you know, the AFC is loaded at quarterback like they have been forever when they had, you know, Phillip Rivers, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady, like, on top of everything. And I, I just think the AFC has always had the better quarterbacks. So, it's more the same. Like you said, the good news is there's not really that guy or anything close to that in the Jacksonville, Indianapolis, or Houston. So you really don't have to worry about that. You're going to have the best quarterback in the division almost regardless of what happens. Like, I mean, maybe there's a crazy world. No, I mean, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't want to go to Houston. I was going to say maybe there's a crazy world where they get a bunch of picks for Deshaun Watson and then they trade those picks for Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers has a no-trade clause and he'd just say no, Um, or he would just say no whether he has a no-trade clause or not. So uh, long story short, like, yeah, like there's some good, talented quarterbacks. We'll see what they look like next year. And, you know, it's going to be hard because – the Chiefs and the Chargers are going to bang on each other and just like it's going to be brutal there. Then you've got the Bengals against that weird, like aggressive defense that they've got in the, in the AFC North with the Ravens, Browns, and Steelers. And then you've got uh, Josh Allen who's going to go against Mac Jones, like, and they're going to kind of fight it out. And I, like, I don't know, like, it, it seems like every team except for the Titans should make it to the postseason, it banged up. Like, and maybe that's what gets them the one seed next year. Maybe they don't get the one seed. Maybe they get the two seed or the three seed or whatever. 
but I, it always helps to have the easiest path to the playoffs. Titans don't need to worry about other quarterbacks. They got the best one in the league. No one has ever said that. Um. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, you know, I look at these two teams in the Super Bowl, the 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 Rams and the Bengals. I I keep wanting to say the Forty ers I I don't know why. The the I almost said it again. It's like what I used to call uh, Bud Dupree, Vic Beasley. It's the same kind of thing. It's like I'm I'm picturing the right guy in my head. Like I'm looking at Matthew Stafford, you know, in the movie that plays in my head, and I'm still saying the 49ers. Anyway. I look at these two teams in the Super Bowl, the Rams and the Bengals. And and at the quarterback position, I think there's two things that their guys, Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow, have and do that Ryan Tannehill does not. I'm going to explain what those two things are in just one moment, and Will will certainly not agree with them. (laughs) I can't wait. We'll be back. We'll be back in 30 seconds. You're listening to No Nonsense Tennessee Titans Podcast. The two things different. Between Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford and Ryan Tannehill. Number one is the turnovers. Now, I know we talked about Todd Downing being mostly to blame for the turnovers of the Titans. But as I mentioned as well, Todd Downing's not the one staring down receivers. Todd Downing's not the one throwing into triple coverage. Todd Downing might have designed the play that led to the design guy being covered in triple coverage, but ultimately it's Tannehill letting them go. If you take away the Amani Hooker incredible diving interception off of maybe what should have been a catch for the Bengals, if you take that away, Joe Burrow's 4-1 to touchdown to interception in the playoffs. By the way, he didn't throw a touchdown against the Titans because he got sacked so many times. 4-1. to Matthew Stafford for the Rams, 6-1. to Touchdown interception ratio. Both of those guys throughout the postseason have taken care of the football in a way that Ryan Tannehill did not in the Titans' one game. His three turnovers were the biggest reason, I think we would all agree, that the Titans lost that game. No matter who you blame for the turnovers, you might be sitting there thinking, well, it was really Todd Downing's fault. Okay, the turnovers themselves were what lost the Titans' game. So that's the first difference. The second difference is that those guys, Stafford and Burrow, have throughout the postseason owned the moment and possessed this it factor. And I know this sounds very elementary because this is an eye test thing. This isn't, this isn't analytics. This isn't traditional stats. But both of them have had an it factor that Tannehill did not. Now, in the regular season, I think Tannehill absolutely has and, and consistently has had an it factor. You need to look no further than the Titans win over the 49ers when throughout that second half, Tannehill was on fire, and when they needed him to lead a drive at the end, he did it and was running down a field and, 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 and pushing guys off of him. Right, Ryan Tannehill does that in the regular season. He does it in the playoffs. He's had three chances and failed. 
Two years in a row he had a chance for a game-winning drive. Failed. Ryan Tannehill has not owned the moment, has not had the it factor in the postseason that Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow have. I point you to the third and seven run that Joe Burrow had when he's in the pocket and has got guys hanging all over him, very reminiscent of the Eli Manning, David, David Tyree play, and then somehow he escapes, gets to the sideline, outruns Chris Jones, and extends the ball for a crucial first down. We've never seen anything like that from Tannehill, even in the playoff wins. Those are the differences between Tannehill and the quarterbacks who are still alive. Hmm. I'm not sure how to approach this one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, w- I would rather have Burrow than Tannehill, and I would probably rather have Stafford over Tannehill at this point. Um, you say the turnovers, but it's, it was only that one game. It was it was that game against the Bengals. Like he he was awful. Like Tannehill was awful. He just kept turning the ball over, and, and most of it was his fault. Um, and I agree. Like that has been the difference um, in the playoffs, but. In the regular season, like it was the same thing. Like Stafford led the led the league in interceptions. Burrow had the same number of interceptions as Tannehill. I understand they're not doing that in the playoffs, but I mean Burrow threw an interception against the Chiefs. He probably should have had another one. Um, he threw a really bad ball to I think it was Chase. It might have been Higgins, like all along the sideline. Probably should have had two um interceptions in that game. And their offense has not been very good, to be honest. Um, they really haven't been able to get much done. I agree Burrow has done a lot with his legs. He's escaped um, a lot of sacks, which is crazy to say after he got sacked nine times. But, I mean, he's the, he's a, he was a former number one overall pick. Like, this this is to be expected of him. So is Stafford. So, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know uh, where I lie on this. I, I agree Tannehill hasn't shown the it factor, quote-unquote, it factor in the playoffs yet. He hasn't had that trademark performance but that's all i said you just agreed no, I with know. it yeah i i agree he hasn't like, had I that i know yet. what you said is true however well no the first what he first he said was, that's that's my that's you think yeah, that's can my one day yeah, <laughs> yeah if he's put in the right position yeah yes i mean i what's it gonna take for that agreement. to happen a a decent offensive you mean like arthur smith well, his game plan sucked last year. Do are we not in agreement with that? The, I mean, okay. So let's talk in the playoffs. So, in the, in the so playoffs. yeah, let me let me correct this before we go too far down the <laughs> rabbit hole. So the problem last year was they gave Derrick Henry twenty carries and he averaged two point two yards per attempt or whatever. Like the problem was they, that they gave their best player the ball a bunch. It's it's not that's not a bad call. Like I mean, like I I agree. You give Derrick Henry, you know, you give Derrick Henry touches, and you hope that he breaks one. But the problem is, if he doesn't, you're left in second and eight, third and nine, you know, over and over. And when you get in third and one, and he can't convert on a first and get a first down, that's a problem. That, now that, that so, first thing you said sounded like a Todd Downing excuse, where he's like, "Well, you know, we just keep getting behind the chains." <laughs> Yeah, but the problem is he says that when his running backs are averaging seven yards per carry. <laughs> like, like he, like he says that because he knows that you'll everybody will just nod and say like, "Oh, okay," but like Not he's me. wrong and he's just lying to <laughs> or your you, face. Or any but, of us. Yeah, like I mean, like y'all, y'all won't say it. Like y'all won't say, "Uh, 
no, y'all, <laughs> but y'all say it like after or whatever, but it's hard to challenge them in the moment. Anyway, so uh, that that's the problem with why it's like, well, couldn't Arthur Smith have done better? Yeah, like Arthur Smith had a decent game plan. The problem is Derrick Henry, who nobody in the world could stop, got stopped. And, uh, you know, Corey Davis gets injured or whatever happened to him. And uh, uh, Tannehill throws the ball to Khalif Raymond, who explodes and, you know, just falls down right in front of the defender. And, you know, that was on the last drive of the game. And, you know, game's over. So it's like the only time they were moving the ball against the Ravens was when Tannehill was passing the ball. Like they weren't getting rushing first downs. Like that they were in third and one. And if they didn't throw it or Tannehill didn't run it, they weren't getting a first down. So, you know, we don't we don't bring that up because we don't like talking bad about Derrick Henry, and that's fine. Like that's you know, that's not my point here. So your first point that you talked about was that the turnovers were the problem. Matias did a good job and explained, you know, Stafford led the league in interceptions. And then uh, Burrow and Tannehill had the same number of interceptions. Like, you know, that like those are great counterpoints to that. I would also assume that your next qu- next thing would be, yeah, but they don't turn it over in the playoffs, which isn't true. Uh, the Rams had four turnovers against the Bucks uh, like two weeks ago, which is more than the Titans had I against just, the Bengals. I, I'm talking about the quarterback stat. I, Stafford I, six I, to one. Tannehill is what one to three. Uh, yeah, yeah, like that, like I said, like that's that's I'm I'm with you. Like I hear you, but what what I'm saying is is <laughs> you're the whole like they didn't turn the ball over. It's like I like okay, but they did. But I hear you. Like that's the difference in those two teams is that like I guess Tannehill turned it over means something more than if the ball is turned over by somebody else. Like I'm comparing the quarterbacks, like, Will. Okay, well, okay, but my point is the turnovers. Like, I like I understand what you're saying. Like, you're saying that Matt Stafford didn't throw as many interceptions. What I'm saying is a turnover is a turnover, right? Like, I mean, we agree there's nothing special sure. where if a, there's an interception. So what I'm saying is the uh, the Rams overcame four turnovers. The Titans couldn't overcome three. Like, now whether that's because. Uh, they just have an ungodly quarterback, even though he'd never won a playoff game before this. Like, maybe that's it. I would say maybe it's having Odell Beckham and a 2,000-yard receiver with an offensive mind who knows what they're doing. Like, I think that would also be important. But, I mean, then they're the whole, like, they didn't step up to the moment. Like, Stafford should have thrown an interception on that deep pass to Jaquiski Tart or whoever. Like he threw it and hit him right in the hands and he dropped it. Like that's not him. That's not him rising above the moment. That's another guy failing to come up and make a play. And then they end up winning that play. But that, but that's it, right? Like that, that's the defining moment. Like if he gets picked off there and it doesn't hit the guy in the chest and fall to the ground, like he didn't step up. Then you're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo in the Super Bowl. Like my thing is, is, Football well, is if, so quick, much. Just quickly, if Jimmy G was in the Super Bowl, I, I would not be m- making the argument of he stepped up. I, I, that, I wouldn't have said that. I can assure right. you. It's like, but I mean, you know, we're also talking about like a three point game. You know, like, I, I mean, it could have easily gone the other way and it looked like it was going to go the other way for, I mean, a long period of the game. And again, I understand that the point is. In the end of the day, they didn't win the game. Like I, I get that. Like, and I'm not, I'm not saying Jimmy G is great, and we need to give him appreciation. What I'm saying is, the playoffs 
just they are very much who makes big plays in big moments. Sometimes it's quarterbacks. Sometimes it's not. I mean, Tom Brady threw three picks in the NFC Championship game last year before they won the Super Bowl, but it didn't matter because the defense stepped up and the rest of the players stepped up around him, and then they went and trashed Mahomes, who was zero touchdowns and two interceptions in the Super Bowl. Like, it, it's so much about the outcome rewriting the story. But go ahead. Well, in the Titans game, everyone but the quarterback arguably did their job. Maybe you throw Quesenberry in there as someone who didn't do their job. No, but the, de- the no, defense I, certainly I did its job. AJ Brown was heroic. Deontay Foreman was great. Yeah, like the, again, we're we're conflating two different things. Like I'm not I'm not saying that Tannehill was not. I mean, Tannehill and Downing were the reason they lost. Like that's like full stop. That that is the same. You know, I'm consistent in that as, as I can be. So that's not that's not my point. My point is that. I don't think that's who Tannehill is. Like, I think that's one game blown out of proportion. And the idea that these other quarterbacks don't have games like this in the playoffs or that because you have a game like this in the playoffs, you can't, you know, have a good game in the playoffs or go on a run or do whatever. Like, I think that's a a weird and bad take. Like, I, I don't necessarily think you're wrong in this specific instance, but you have to be careful with how you phrase it, in my opinion, because you don't want to say like the difference between Tannehill and these two quarterbacks in the Super Bowl is this. It's the difference in why this version of the Titans isn't there and these versions are is because of this, this, and this. Like and, and I agree with you there. Like, yeah, I mean, but again, at the same time, like I the defense did everything they could. Again, let me reiterate this because I don't want well, to want to have to talk about this again. Defense did everything they could. There was also a pick that Janoris Jenkins had that hit him right in the chest, and it, it was a pick six if he catches it and goes. It is not his responsibility to score a touchdown there. It would have been great. He's not the reason why we lost the game. But my point is, like, there's a chance where if Burrow throws that pick six, it's a whole different game. The Titans win. That you know they don't throw the ball as much. They run it with Foreman. They do the smart thing. Like I, I mean, it's just a game of so many like important plays, which just goes back you know to the earlier in the conversation. Like that's why it's so impressive what Tom Brady does. Like on a macro level, he made very few mistakes in critical moments. Like that is his legacy. Like there's not a lot of games that he won in the Super Bowl where he threw five touchdowns. Like I, I mean, I think maybe Atlanta was one where he did something like that, but. Uh, on average, he would have like a touchdown or two touchdowns. Or in the Rams uh, Super Bowl that they won, he had zero touchdowns and an interception, but they won that game and they won a Super Bowl. So, you know, like it's all about different moments and who capitalizes in those moments. And I don't think focusing in on this one game from Tannehill and saying, you know, this is why the Titans didn't win, it's because this guy can't do it. You could say this guy didn't do it this time, but you could also say that about. 31 other quarterbacks by the end of the year. I, I, I find it interesting that we just keep solving Derrick Henry of any responsibility for a lot of the, yeah, for the playoff you're, you're, losses you're right, the times It's weird because the last uh, playoff games, about it. but it, he's been a disaster. I'm not saying it's all his fault, but if you're getting 20 touches and you do absolutely nothing with them and your team loses, at some point, like you have to take some of the blame, 
even even in the Patriots game, like I know they weren't going to win that game at all um, because Tom Brady and, and the Patriots were a great team. He didn't do anything. 2.3 yards a carry. Against the Chiefs, he couldn't really do anything. 3.6 yards per carry. The Ravens, 2.2 yards per carry. The Bengals, 3.1 yards per carry. Like, that affects your offense, especially when you're giving the, the ball to your running back that many times. And like we've talked about, you get in the, into these second and third and longs. It's a problem, man. And I think it's something that the Titans like, legitimately have to look at and say to themselves, like, is this the best course of action? to go deep into the playoffs, to rely so much on a running game that just doesn't seem to work at this time of the year? I, I don't know. I really don't know. It's perplexing. He's their best player, and he hadn't shown up. And, and Vrabel even and, said, he said, you know, our best players got to be at their best in the playoffs when Kaharski asked about this. Yeah, and, and the the most difficult thing about all of it is it's not – it's not that he's not historically great, you know, that like, that's fine. Like you don't have to be historically great, but it's like when they give him 20 touches or 18 touches or whatever, and he averages like less than four yards a carry. Like I, I understand why they can't stop giving him the ball because like, like you said earlier, Luke, it's like, you know, how dare they give their best player the ball? Like you've got to, but when you're when you're you know getting three yards per carry over the last three years, it's like that like that's a problem. Like like you said, Matthias, like it's not it's not that he's having four yards per carry where he's ripping off some ten yard passes and every now and then he doesn't go full Super Saiyan and he doesn't you know do Derrick Henry things. It's that like he just doesn't make an impact like he's like he's not like doing anything to help the offense because the defense is just fully committed to that and that's something where you've got to say okay like let's lean on the passing game but they haven't and so you end up with these stupid like stats because it's like okay well look at all the times where where Tannehill passed for 15 or more times and it's like yeah, but you have to understand, like, the two games where he didn't pass that many times, it's because Derrick Henry had 30 carries for 200 yards and 34 carries for 182 yards. Like, you're like, why would you stop running him there? The problem is when he's getting, you know, 19 for 69, and that's three and a half yards, or 18 attempts for 40 yards, and that's 2.2 yards. It's like, the, the problem is that he got up to 18 carries in that situation. Like... It's because like they just don't know what to do when he's not doing well, and that you know, it sucks because again, like Derrick Henry's great, but if you say anything bad about Derrick Henry as an attempt to show like, look, maybe the playoff offenses weren't a hundred percent like the fault of Tannehill that they didn't score or whatever, then everybody just loses their mind. But you're right, like it's it is it is crazy that we're not at a point where we can at least like look critically at such a large part of the offense. Sorry. (laughs) It's a lot. I I couldn't remember what I was supposed to talk about next. Um, I want to talk about, to return to Tannehill just for a moment, what John Robinson said on Tuesday, because John Robinson is at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, and he did an interview with Jim Wyatt for Titans.com or TennesseeTitans.com. And in just one moment, we will read to you and discuss what John Robinson had to say 
about the Titans, much maligned starting quarterback. We'll do that in 30 seconds. You're listening to No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. Okay, here's what John Robinson had to say about Ryan Tannehill. Quote, I think Ryan is a leader. I think Ryan is tough. I think Ryan has made a lot of great plays for us. He is our quarterback. I don't know that there's a quarterback who stands in the pocket and looks down the barrel of a blitz and throws the ball as good, he should have said as well, as he does. I know he works extremely hard, loves his teammates, is competitive. He's played a lot of good football. To have a micro-evaluation over one game is not fair to any player. I think you have to look at the scope of the body of work and what he has done for this football team since he has been here. That's a pretty ringing endorsement. Yeah, and that's what your GM should say. I mean, he's kind of obligated to say something along those lines but i agree with everything he said and i respect him for not overreacting to one game like a lot of people uh, are doing and i don't know like i i think this is a good statement i i think it'll help Tannehill to kind of gain a little more confidence in himself because i'm sure he's he's very down he's probably one of the most you know hard on himself uh, players on the team. So I hope Tannehill kind of takes this and, and feeds off of it going into the offseason because it's going to be a big season. Like, if things go wrong next year, I think the Times are probably going to be looking to make a change. Um, but if he gets back to at least, I don't know, 80% of what he was last year, the Times are going to be in good shape and he's going to be in good shape in terms of his standing with the team um, as he gets a little older going into the future. Yeah, like I mean, that, that's what that's what Robinson should say. It's what most non overreactive people have said the whole time. Like, you can't freak out about one performance. Like when you have to, I mean, if you blew it up at every bad like performance, you, nobody would ever have a quarterback. Like you know, you would just constantly be rotating, and nobody would ever like get developed. You know, he he did the right thing and. I think for the most part, the three of us agree that it, there is not a readily there, there's not a quarterback who's readily available who's a clear improvement on Tannehill. I, I think we would all agree on that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, at that point, it's like I mean, I mean, even I mean, if quick, quick, just quickly, let it be known, I have never said, "Oh, the Titans need to." replace Tannehill this year. What I've said is I don't think Tannehill's going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. You have said that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I like, yeah, like, it's one of those things where it's hard to, like, split hairs. It's like, is the goal... I don't know. Because it's like, there's so many instances. Like, I, I... There's... 2011 with Eli beating the, but like I went through all these last week. You'll probably remember it's like Flacco, uh, Noodle Arm, Peyton, yeah, Manning, yeah, 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 yeah. Bowls, like Bad Tom yeah. Brady. It's like half of the Super Bowls are won over the last decade are won by like a quarterback who doesn't have a great game. 
Like, yes. you know, it's, it's, it's a team effort. It's, you know, does the defensive back pick a ball off? Does the quarterback make the right decision? Does the running back, you know, it, it's a team effort where big players like throughout the postseason make big plays. And then in the Super Bowl, you just let the chips fall where they may. And so, you know, whoever wins it this year, it'll be the same thing. Like, I don't think right now, at least, I don't think that we would call Stafford or Joe Burrow, like historically great quarterbacks. Like Joe Burrow's no. off to a good start, but like, you know, like, I think that we wouldn't call them in the top five or 10 best quarterbacks, maybe at the beginning of the season, maybe Stafford, but uh, you know, it's all, about I think we're going to look back like what, when we go back and see the super bowls that have happened, we're going to see Stafford there. We're going to be like, Oh wow. It's kind of crazy. He made it because I don't know if he's ever going to get back there. Burrow, I think probably will just because he's an incredibly talented player. Um, but I could also see the Bengals going like one Super Bowl and then they don't make it back for 20 years like like has happened yeah. this time. So I don't know. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Like, I mean, those teams have constantly gotten the ones like the Packers are constantly the one seed and they haven't been able to go to the play. Like, I think they've been the one seed three years in a row and they haven't gotten to the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, it's hard. It doesn't matter if you've got a good quarterback or not. It is incredibly difficult to go to the Super Bowl. So, like, I, I have a problem with the phrase, like, I don't think he'll win a Super Bowl, because I could say that about every quarterback that comes in the league, and I would be right 95% of the time, regardless of the quality of quarterback. Like, that that's my problem with that phrasing. But, okay. that, like, that's, that's... I don't think it's possible to win a Super Bowl with Ryan Dennehill. How about that? Oh, okay. Really? Yeah, it's, he's just wrong, like... We're gonna have to move on. Anything is possible if we're being honest. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, that, that's that's just like, well, like not not with, not with Logan Woodside actually. So yeah, that one. <laughs> I mean, what like, yeah, I, I, I'm I, I have I have no comment on that other than what I've already said because I just have to run through it again. But the point is, like Robinson's correct. Like you don't cut bait on a quarterback right now, especially when. You won 11 games last year, and you won the one seed this year in the AFC. Like, he's 30 and 13 since he's been with the team. Like, I mean, that's pretty incredible, like, winning percentage. Like, he's beaten Mahomes, and he's beaten Josh Allen. Like, it's not like he's only beaten bad teams. It's like he's beaten, you know, good teams. He beat uh, Tom Brady in the playoffs. He beat uh, Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. Like, you know, like, it. That he, he was you know, pretty competitive with Patrick Mahomes before the defense just collapsed and that whole thing. So like we've seen them do well, like you can't cut bait on that. Like there's, there was a regression this year, but not even really just like a massive regression, like just like a a clearly like everybody was off and everybody was injured, but yeah, like the, the goal should be build the best team you possibly can around the quarterback position if you feel like you have, if you feel like you've turned into the 49ers where you've got the best tight end, you know, the best wide receivers, all that kind of stuff. If you look around and you see just Pro Bowl and all pro talent, I use Pro Bowl, I shouldn't, uh, like all pro talent all around you, and you say it's that guy who's not living up to expectations, then then you say, okay, what move do we have to make? Because otherwise, what are you going to do? 
draft draft a guy. I mean, rookie quarterbacks are notoriously terrible. You're going to waste a year of Derrick Henry, who you know running backs don't have a long shelf life in the NFL, so you don't know how much longer you're going to have left with that. Like, you know, is that what everybody wants to do? Like, I mean, it's a no brainer decision to me that you have to stay with Tannehill, and your goal should just be to build a good team around him. And you have to do that with Todd Downing, apparently, which is one hand tied behind your back already. Looking at the rest of this Robinson interview with Jim Wyatt, the other thing that really stands out is the comment that we look forward to continuing to work with Zach Cunningham. Uh, That would seem to me to indicate that there's no decision to be made, that, that he's likely sticking around, right? How much would we have to pay him? Zero. Oh, oh, oh to, to cut him or no. to keep him? <laughs> to keep him. To keep to, him. Ten, it's about $11 million. That's pricey. He played very yeah. well. Very well. But for an inside linebacker, I just... I, I, don't think, I don't think they would pay that. Well, he's got zero guaranteed dollars. Like, he, like he's like a 30... I think he's got three years, $33 million, but zero of it is guaranteed. So... I would have to assume both sides would be much more comfortable with a situation where they lower that cap number, but get some guaranteed money yeah. in place, like, yeah. and, and go from there. Like the restructure makes the most sense because I think they do yeah. want him here, and he played well enough to stay here, obviously. Yeah. But for eleven million dollars, it's just that's a little too much for me. And he's young, isn't he? Like twenty six. Uh, like, I think he's pretty young. Let me look it up real quick. Uh, he is 27, 27, just turned 27 just, yeah. in December. So, yeah, like, so he's still pretty young. Like, I mean, you can play linebacker until you're like 32. Like, I mean, you can have a pretty solid career, like, in, into your 30s at, at linebacker. So, yeah, I mean, you don't have to, like, do anything crazy where you, like, make it a one year, like, deal or anything like that. Like, you can make it a three year deal or you can add some void years on the back end or whatever. But, I mean, I think the two linebackers starting next year should be Cunningham and Long, and then they should have Monty Rice, which they will. Like, they should have Monty Rice behind them, and then, you, you know, you look at it in the next offseason. Like, that should be your plan going forward because Monty Rice played well when he was in. Like, they all seem to fit in this system. Like, you've got three fits. Don't overextend yourself at the linebacker position if you can help it. And you don't have to pay David Long until 2023. So, you know, that that's not a problem right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And you can always draft a linebacker in the fifth, sixth round that plays special teams. That can also be a backup. You really don't have to bring back. Obviously, Rashawn's not coming back, but Jayon also. Um, Jayon was back. done the moment they made him a healthy scratch against Houston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, it sucks because he was, he was playing so well um, last season, but man, I, I don't know. Uh, the injuries kind of took a toll, I think, on him, and then David Long just became a this stud. So, yeah, I mean, the good thing for him is uh, not sorry, not for him. The good thing for the Titans is that, I mean, theoretically, they can let both of the they can let uh, Brown and Rashawn Evans go, and I mean, linebackers get signed in the league. Like they're they're going to get signed by somebody. Like Rashawn Evans will probably get way too much money. Like even if it's not a big deal, like it'll be like good starting linebacker money just because coaches and front offices seem to just look at how many games you started. But like that should turn into comp picks for the Titans at some point. Like 
that 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 will help them be more flexible down the road. And they basically lucked into him. Like, I mean, I should say it's more better. It's better planning than it is luck. But it's like, who knew Cunningham was going to come loose in the middle of the season? And then they've just done such a good job drafting guys on day three or Monty Rice in the third round and just. Like, guys, nobody knows until they're on the Titans roster, and then they look like lightning bolts with cleats on, and they make plays. By the way, you brought up compensatory pick. The current projection from Nick Corte, who who does this stuff for over the cap, is that the Titans will get a fourth and a sixth. Which four, you would have known. Four for if, Davis, six for Daquan Jones. Yeah, which you would have known if anybody had read the article I wrote in uh, – March or April when Nick Corte does that stuff normally instead of the Paul Kaharski thing that he just put out today. Like that's, that's been pretty common knowledge for a while, but <laughs> that, that it is, it is very aggravating to me to see him say that when I've written about, I mean, not, I mean, everybody writes about the same thing eventually, but it's not groundbreaking news. We already knew this. Like interesting that Daquan Jones only nets a sixth when uh football outsiders uh, said that, uh, he was better than Danico Autry. That's really interesting. But anyway, what? Oh, PFF. We're gonna have to ban PFF from stopping no, nonsense. No, no, it was Football Outsiders. It was, uh, it was they're, they're just as bad these days with DVOA. <laughs> I know, I know. By the way, the I funniest thing, and he's been doing this for years. Uh, but Robert Greenlaw, which is a he's a great Twitter follow. He's hilarious. Yeah. After every game, he tweet. I don't even know what it stands for, but he'll tweet like the. Robert Greenlaw DPA stats, and it's just these arbitrary made-up numbers he assigns to Titans players based on their performance. Yeah. So funny. They're, they're they're very good. I think Downing had like negative 30 <laughs> after the, the Bengals yeah. game. Yeah, and it'll be like, it's like, uh, they, they, the numbers usually kind of mean something. Like, it'll be like... Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, three hundred thirty-three, like three <laughs> tackles, lost three sacks, and three like it, like they're pretty. Or if it's like if AJ Brown has like uh, one hundred and forty yards and a touchdown, it'll be like one four zero one. Like like it, you can tell what they mean, and they're 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 very well done. They're they're funny. All right, stop the nonsense time. Who's first? Uh, I'll go because mine is super funny, and it's about the Jaguars. Um. So you probably saw this today. It's uh, the Mark Long report that says uh, rumor at the Senior Bowl. Jaguars GM Trent Balky was looking, and then parentheses is maybe even tampering, uh, to hire someone to take on an assistant GM role to handle day-to-day operations, which would allow Balky to be more hands-on with players on the field. I, I didn't which, even know what that meant. So what he means is he wants to be like you know how like. Mike Vrabel like holds pads and stuff and like coaches because yeah. there's there's a follow up on this um, that I didn't know if people saw. So uh, he wants to be more hands on because he thinks he's a coach. But there was a report out today or a retweet or something from like a year ago, and uh, it was from Jimmy Ward when he was playing safety. Uh, I think he was playing safety like he's defensive back, and they were playing cover three. And he said that Balky went up to him on the sideline and he said, hey, y'all are playing cover three. Do y'all do you not know how to play cover three? And he said, I'm the buzz player. Like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So he basically tried to come up and teach a guy in the middle of a football game who was like a first round pick or something, like a first or second round pick. He was a high pick. 
um, he wanted to come in and tell him how to play cover three that he'd been playing his whole life and assumed he was playing it wrong just because he was pretending to be a coach, which is awesome. Like Titans fans should love this because it's, it's the, it's the thing that's been happening to the Texans for the last five years where it's like everybody, every coach thinks they can be a front office member and every front office person thinks they can be a coach. And whenever those roles start to bleed over in the wrong way, like you are doomed. Yeah. I thought Balky had been fired. Like I just kind of assumed that it happened because they've been like doing interviews, right? With, with GM candidates. I thought, uh, they they've been interviewing like they interviewed like one assistant front office that, people they don't yeah. say it's a gm interview <laughs> so here's a bonus stop the nonsense uh garofolo uh said yeah. this uh, about this where he had a minute-long clip today where he said that when shad khan was interviewing people to be the next head coach he told them that uh trent balky was like Every everybody knows it's already it's public knowledge that Trent Baalke's staying like he's going to be there next year. But he's asking all the candidates individually, like, "Hey, are you okay with Trent Baalke being uh, the GM?" And he's his report is, "I'm I've talked to everybody and they all say that it's okay and like that they don't that they're not saying the same things that you guys are saying about Trent Baalke." But what Garofolo said was that he talked to somebody who was in one of these interviews and they told him that they like beat around the bush and didn't answer honestly because Shad Khan was asking these questions when Trent Balky was in the room with them. Oh my gosh. So he's he's basically saying, Hey, this guy's staying and like points over to the corner with a guy watching and said, Is that okay? Like, do you like that guy? <laughs> like and then he's like, Well, they didn't say they didn't like him, so I can't understand how they possibly oh would have liked Which is awesome the, like i don't listen to a whole lot of this you know leadership material that's out there because i think a lot of it is just very abstract but like the stuff that i have listened to and that i know um from you know formal training in the realm of communication like man these people in the nfl just have no idea how to lead human beings i'm not even talking about football like i wouldn't trust these people to like run an office there it it's so like especially when ownership like and this is not what happened with shot like shot made his own money whatever but like I, when ownership gets passed down it is such a crapshoot because amy adams strunk has been wonderful but you look at all these other people whose kids are running the organization that their parents bought well and she and had to oust her brother-in-law like, first yeah like Oh man, what what a hero to the franchise because Tommy Smith was oh, he was just the worst. But it's like you look at the Mara family in in New York and it's just like they're just full on fools. And it's like everybody for the longest time preached about how good the Mara family was and all that. And you know, the older everybody gets, the worse they are, and it's the same thing with you know all these quote unquote dynasty teams. I mean, it's it it's wild. So my stop the nonsense is just the Pro Bowl. And I and I vowed when I did A to Z Sports Primetime on Monday that I'm not going to write when I do articles. I'm not going to say, you know, Pro Bowl receiver A.J. Brown or, or Pro Bowl defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons because it just doesn't mean anything. 
Example one is the fact that Jeffrey Simmons had to wait until January 1st to get in, despite the fact that when they announced the Pro Bowl teams, he was leading interior defensive linemen in sacks. What I would say is the most important stat for interior defensive linemen or or anyone on the D-line. But, you know, he's not a name. He's not popular. And then, in the reverse, Roger Saffold's in the Pro Bowl. I like Roger Saffold. He's been a good player for the Titans, and it was a great signing for them. But that dude could barely make it through most of the games he played this year. He didn't make it through a handful of the games that he played this year. And yet he's going to be in the Pro Bowl. And he becomes Pro Bowler Roger Saffold. I, I'm, I, I'm just tired of it. I, it, it. I used to be a proponent of just do the list and don't even play the game. Now I don't even want the list anymore. I just don't care. It's meaningless. It has no value. Have all pro, and then that's it. The Pro Bowl is like it. It, it it's like Madden. It's just for for kids. It's for for funsies. It doesn't mean anything. It's all rigged. Like uh, I mean, I truly believe that because Simmons was leading the lead, like leading defensive lineman. That's what in I just said. The, I know. No, 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 no. In the popular vote. Oh, okay. He had, not only was he leading everybody in sacks and tackles for loss, and he'd had his Monday night game where he was dominant and had three sacks. He was leading the popular vote, and he got, it wasn't even like one of the top three because they had to get DeForest Buckner in there because they won hard knocks. Like, that, it is, it is impossible for anybody to convince me that hard knocks didn't have an influence on on that voting when so many of the players who were leading in the popular vote didn't get it and they got ousted for colts players and it's not verifiable because it's this like secret system you know with with the associated press awards and the pro football writers association awards you know for the most part who's voting you might not have names but ap is saying hey we had a hundred writers vote on this, or, or a pro football writer says we had all of our members vote on this. And, and but but with Pro Bowl, it's this secret system of co- some coach. There's coach vote, and there's a player vote, and then there's the fan vote, and it, it it's not verifiable. It's not uh, what's the scientific word? It's not testable. Yeah, like there, there is, there is a word for it. I just don't know what it is. But you're like, you're right. It's like there's no, like there's no transparency. I guess, like because they tell you, it's like okay, right now there's a third of the vote, which is just enough to where it doesn't really count. Uh, a third of the vote is up to the, you know, the people voting and all that. And these are the people leading. It's like, okay, we're going to go in a back room and not tell anybody what we're doing. And then we're going to give you the results. And then it's like basically like, you know, the big names and then whoever they want to weasel in because of they share the same agents or because they're on TV shows or whatever. I mean, like, we, we've I, seen how that works with the top 100 list. Yeah. Like, remember the guy who didn't know how to spell Patrick Mahomes' name and he had him like number two? Uh, like, just like. No, that, like crazy. Yeah, we talked about it last year on Stop the Nonsenses. Uh, he called he called him something. It was like it was like Patrick. Uh, I, I don't remember, but it was so funny. Like because it's just like look, like it's clear that these people are not out here breaking down game film all the time. Like you shouldn't al- allow these people to vote for like who the number one player is. But again, it's like 
we took all these votes and we give everybody 20 votes and we had got it's like y'all got a hundred players with everybody doing 20 votes like how did y'all split those ties because after a certain point it was just however many people on the same team like yeah uh, it's it's all like it's all baloney all pro is the way to go they need to just abolish fan voting in general in every sport it just there's 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 no point it's just to to make people feel included and i guess some people like filling out the ballots but yeah or make it like make it a separate thing right it's like make yeah yeah. don't make it an official award you know this was the first year that i did not fill out a pro bowl ballot usually i'll do one just for kicks i i I did it this year you know what the worst part is when i used to fill out uh the ballots uh i i didn't watch offensive line play i would just pick the highest rated Madden offensive lineman because that's what that's pretty much what everyone does and i yeah. used to do the same thing because who is watching these offensive linemen really other than will of course other than but, the brave uh, souls <laughs> yeah i i unless i'm voting for a titans o-lineman like i think i might have given nate davis one when i do the pro football writers awards i don't vote for the lineman because i don't feel comfortable i don't know what i'm talking about yeah, it's it's a shame because like that's how most people should be. Like it you should have to explain why you vote for a player or you should say I don't feel comfortable but like if you're a writer and you can't write like a paragraph or cite an example like you wouldn't write an article where you're like I just kind of think this. Like so it's like if <laughs> yeah. if it's like the pro football writers like you should have to say like this is why I think this play like I I, I am citing this game that I watched in this play and if you don't think he's good enough, you have to tell me why. Like, you can't just say, like, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, his name is Nate Davis, and I grew up with a kid named Nate, and I like guys named Nate, so I voted him. Like, because that's what I think three or four of them do every year. I feel like y'all would be mad if, with some of my selections. I voted Josh McDaniels for assistant coach of the year. I don't know how popular that was. That's that's crazy. Wow. I guess he did. Assistant Mac coach. Jones looked solid, so. That I, was I my guess. reasoning. Yeah, they had Dan, a really good Dan Quinn won. I, I mean, honestly, it might be great. Yeah, the Bengals DC. If we, if everybody waited until after the oh, playoffs, yeah. like he might have yeah. gotten it because he made Mahomes. I mean, like he made Mahomes and Tannehill look just outright bad. Yeah, like I mean, like yeah. like just ugh. so. I mean, but you know, it's it's all about you know when you do the votes and all that. But I mean. That I mean, he made Mac Jones look good, and rookie quarterbacks never look good, so that's fair. Yeah, Matthias, uh, what do you got? I, I had a question. Like, is, okay, is MVP voting still happening? No, that's a that's after the regular season ends. Okay, yeah, Aaron Rodgers already won that. We just don't talk about it because he would have. I think he might have lost it after after the postseason. I've always been curious about that, but um, anyway, my stop the nonsense is uh, this entire Tom Brady situation. It has just pissed me off. Um, <laughs> I know we talked a little bit about him, but just this whole rollout of Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington um, breaking the news, then Rappaport comes in, and then that same day we get other people reporting that Tom Brady called the Buccaneers, he called the GM, he called Bruce Arians, and he told them that he still has not made up his mind and isn't sure if he's going to retire or play. Um, and then a couple days later, he just comes out and retires uh, in the buildup to the Super Bowl because, of course, he has to make it all about himself um, and no one else can, can have the spotlight. Um, but the reporting throughout all of this was just really annoying and uh it's been like this for a while where where 
reporters are pretty much just like the mouthpieces for agents and we're going to see it a lot uh in free agency um i'm just i'm kind of fed up with a lot of the journalism um and especially the fact that no offense to you guys like this has nothing to do with you guys it's mostly the big media um journalists around the nfl who are pretty much just controlled by all of the info that's fed to them and it's crazy to me um especially with some of these guys are, are literally employed by the NFL. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. There's like no separation between church and state. Um, and it's honestly kind of concerning um, uh, for the integrity of, of journalism in general, but man, it's uh, it's interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. Like it, it sucks because it's like, you'll see like, uh, guys with actual genuine like interesting takes like two years like removed they're like just basically like funneling information out to the public like for the chance to break like one or two stories like I, it, it's it's very disheartening that's gonna do it for this episode we're gonna take next week off take a bit of a breather after the season we will be back after that we're gonna be going through every position on this Titans roster offense and defense when we come back figuring out where the holes are, what this team can do to improve, because I think we like the Titans, we like where they are, but I think we would all three agree that if they stay static, if nothing changes heading into next year, uh, it's going to be a pretty similar result most likely. And we're going to talk about the areas where that needs to most happen. So until then, for Willem and TSI, I'm Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense.